Welcome to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. Today, I'll be interviewing Jackie Pugh. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. You know, Jackie, I've heard a lot over the last several years about neurolinguistic programming, and you're a master practitioner. How would you describe neurolinguistic programming or NLP? Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. Um, I'm sure we, most of us have heard of Tony Robbins. He's huge with NLP as well. And it, we really, really pay attention to our language because whatever language we speak, our brain absorbs it and it creates a belief out of it. It wants to prove it true. So if every time you look in the mirror and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so ugly and no one's ever going to want me, that starts to create a belief in your brain and then your brain goes out into the world and it wants to validate that belief because if it, if it can validate itself, if it can be right, you know, we hear a lot of times people are egotistical. They're so egotistical and we think it's a bad thing, but really their brain just really wants to keep them safe. That's why they have to be right. And so we don't want to go out into the world looking for more evidence on why, on why we're, we're ugly and we're not uh, worthy of love and we're not good enough in all these things, right? We want to go out into the world and find evidence to prove otherwise. So in NLP, we really, really pay attention to what language we are using. And when it comes to techniques and rewiring your brain, I do a lot of work with visualizations. So um, I'll take people through like a really, really deep meditative state that we call timelining, where we go back in time and actually change the memories that they have. So when they come out of this process, they have a tool to immediately nip in the butt all of the limiting beliefs that they have so they can start rewiring their brain. And it's one of the most powerful things I've ever been a part of and have ever witnessed for other people. Like people literally will be a completely different person within five weeks of working with me. So rewiring the brain, that sounds really interesting. So you, one of the ways you do that is by uh, visualization or is it multiple things? Um, I do a combination of things. So me personally, um, I do, uh, we look at language, we reframe certain things that people are saying to themselves or just about life in general so that they have a new um uh, sentence that they carry around with them that empowers them versus discourages them. Um, I'll take people through the visualization processes like we just spoke about. And it's a constant, like it's, it's not a joke. <laughs> Definitely requires uh, commitment. It's not hard. It's, it's simple, but it's not easy, if that makes sense, because you have to really, really be committed and constantly catching yourself for uh, for me, I take my, my clients through a four-month-long program where that's all that we focus on. And at the end of it, when they're super determined, they are a completely different person. So it takes that person to be determined to bring forth the change because it's not easy to do it because you're breaking patterns mm -hmm. that people have been utilizing for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and now you have to disrupt those patterns. And one thing when we disrupt a pattern, we have to continue because there will be residual effects of the negative pattern that you're trying to change that rare is ugly head. 
And if you engage, and you engage in this internal conversation, it just takes you back. Yeah. Yes. And so, so for me, um, my clients don't need like continued coaching mm-hmm. when, once the program is over, like most people stay in therapy for, you can forever. Right. Um, but I do advise them to stay in the work, like you're saying, like at least do a monthly check-in or get into some other little small self-development programs so that you stay in the habit. You have people holding you accountable because it is super easy to slip backwards when, like you said, you've been doing it for 40, 50 years. Um, so having somebody there to just kind of like shine a light on, hey, hey, let's not take a little step backward here. Let's keep moving forward is really, really beneficial. And what did you have to overcome? Oftentimes when people begin a journey of helping others, they had to overcome something. So what negative patterns did you have to overcome? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which ones didn't I? <laughs> um, for me, I had hit a point in my life where I was so depressed that I couldn't get out of bed for two months. Literally, like I I wasn't even doing my job. I wasn't a coach at the time. I was in real estate. I finally made it to the couch one day and I asked myself, what is the common denominator out of every area of my life? Because I was unfulfilled in literally finances and career and friends and family and relationships and fun. And the list goes on. I was unfulfilled in almost every single area of my life. And I was like, what is the common denominator? I cannot wait. I cannot wait to figure it out. I'm going to blame it so hard. And I figured it out and it was me. And I was like, me, you know, I had that whole moment of feeling victim, but then I realized, wait a minute, if it's me, then I'm not waiting for anybody else outside of me or anything outside of me to change. I have the power to change it. And as they always say, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And that day, my my now coach had launched his first group self-development program and it was $5,000. And I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to pay for this, but I made a way out of no way and I did it. And what we did together, like my personal things that I had to overcome primarily were my own limiting beliefs. Like I knew I wanted to be a coach even at that point, right? I was so depressed because I was in a job that I hated and I wanted to be a coach. And I'm like, who's ever going to, you know, um, support me in doing that? And my family doesn't think that's a real job. And none of my friends support me. And um, I just had all of these limiting beliefs of my own thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not smart enough. Or the way that I look, people aren't going to take me seriously. Or I haven't been in it that long. Or, um, I mean, just fill in the blank. The list went on and on and on about why I wasn't good enough. And I went into the program, honestly, thinking like, oh, I'm going to go find the love of my life. I'm going for dating. (laughs) What what we ended up doing was working on my my limiting beliefs that stem from childhood and my family dynamics for six months straight. And and within those six months, I launched my business. I, um, I made real estate a, a hobby. I healed family dynamics. I healed friendships. I let certain relationships fall off. And most importantly, I learned how to love myself because I clearly, I mean, I did not value myself. One of my biggest patterns was I would end up in relationships with men who were very self-consumed, self-absorbed, um, would only make me a pri- or a, a, an option and never a priority, lying and cheating and all the things. And I would stay and I would beg for these guys to stay. But what I found when I worked on myself was it was because I didn't value myself. I didn't have any self-worth. And I only felt worthy if somebody else said I was worthy enough to be in a relationship with them. 
So now I've also changed the types of people romantically that I attract into my life and what I'm actually attracted to. That type of behavior is no longer attractive to me. Wow, that's powerful. And you used, you, you really explained that we attract people into our lives. Mm-hmm. We are constantly drawing um, situations into our lives. We think it's happening out there, but it's happening in here inside of us. Uh, Dr. Ernest Holmes says, life is a mirror and will reflect back to the thinker what he thinks into it. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly projecting those insecurities and all of these different things, uh, usually from childhood is the indoctrination of a lot of traumas that we have. And we're constantly projecting them and we think it's out there, but it's literally inside of us. And when we take the responsibility or accept the responsibility, not necessarily blame, but accept responsibility, then that really is the catalyst that empowers us and empowered you to change your life. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. And, and I think that so many people, when they hear responsibility, they feel like, well, that happened to me and I shouldn't have to take responsibility. And there's all these excuses that come up, but I like the reframe talking about NLP of taking responsibility is actually taking your power back. Yes, That's all that it is. Because if we stay in victim mode and we're like, oh, well, my parents got divorced or this horrible thing happened to me when I was a child and I'm still in all of this pain and I deserve to be in this pain or I deserve to hate that person, that keeps us in victim mentality. I was in victim mentality majority of my life <laughs> until, I, until I decided not to be that day on the couch. Um, and once I took responsibility, aka my power back, that's when everything changed. Because like you said, my internal world changed. Therefore, my external world was a a mirror of that. Yes. Now, did anyone close to you notice uh, you were unhappy or unfulfilled in your life during that time frame? Because, you know, that sounds pretty tough, not being able to get out of bed for, you know, that period of time. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure things were happening even before then that led into that space. Oh, yes. So much was happening that led into that space. Um, Just a a few examples of uh, I had lived with a guy that we were like madly in love with each other. And he broke up with me one day by just not coming home. And then I was like, that's not going to stop me from love. And then I met another guy and he immediately ended it like three months later, very similarly. And then I moved all the way across the country for another guy in, in Denver, Colorado. And that's where the whole couch scenario happened. And Uh, he broke up with me over the phone six days after I got there. My stuff was still in shipment. I was staying in a house in a room that didn't have a door on the bedroom. Like I didn't know anybody there. I was trying to get into real estate. I had no idea that you had to know people. Um, I got fired twice. Once was for my voice. Like, (laughs) like just, just so many things. Um, and I had never even had a detention in my life. Like just, just so, so much stacked up on top of each other along with family deaths and all these things. And, um, I'd say there was one friend in Denver that noticed, um, cause I was really embarrassed. I was really ashamed. I had had bouts of like situational depression in the past for like day or two day, maybe, maybe a week, but I was actually really embarrassed. And I'm sure mo- I know that most people are embarrassed and feel like a failure. Or there's something wrong with them when, when you're feeling as low as that. And he had reached out to me and he was like, are you depressed? And I was like, 
yeah, I think I am. So I had one person who knew. And then I had um, very close friends that I would talk to, but I didn't actually speak out and let them know. Like, I'm like extremely depressed. I didn't want to worry them. I didn't want to burden them. I didn't want to do any of those things. So I kind of was dealing with it all on my own, which is what I know so many people do. And that's why this work is so important to me because I know what, what that's like. And so I want to give people a space that they can go to with somebody who's already been through it and other people are going through it so that they're not alone and they don't feel like a burden. And and you you are a direct reflection of the soil that you're in, right? Like, as I mentioned, so many of those people in, in my past weren't supportive of the things that I wanted to do. Therefore, I didn't feel safe to grow, right? I was like a seed planted in the soil that wasn't getting the right nutrition or sunlight in order to grow. And when I stepped into that container of group coaching with, with my coach, all of a sudden I was in this new soil of all these other people who are going through similar things and ready to level up their lives and a coach speaking life into me. And that's when I just completely blossomed. And so giving that to people is really, really important. And finding that for yourself is really, really important. And, you know, how, I guess, it's something when you are suffering and nobody notices, but at least that one person notice, you know, which is helpful when we think somebody cares about us you know, or cares for us. And how powerful is shame that keeps people in that state, that negative state that they don't want to be in? How powerful is shame? Shame is the lowest vibration that we can be. Shame is extremely, extremely powerful. So if anybody is feeling that way, my invitation would be to just tell at least one person, even if it's like a hotline and you don't know the people on the other side and they don't know who you are like tell at least one person when we speak it out when we get that out of our bodies we suddenly feel a little bit lighter and where did you grow up i'm from chicago i'm from chicago so growing up in chicago the little jackie the five-year-old six-year-old ten-year-old what did you want to be when you know people ask you what are you going to be when you grow up what did you say Oh my gosh, this is such a fun question with a little twist. Are you ready for it? Yeah. <laughs> so um, when I was a little girl, I was maybe like three or four. And I grew up in the 80s. So there was no internet or we didn't have cable or anything like that. So there's no way that I would know this. I'm going to get a little bit woo-woo on you guys. But um, <laughs> my mom, I was sitting there playing with my Barbies. And my mom asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And had this vision that happened like right in front of me and there was the earth like the earth was like like a ball right in front of me super vibrant super vivid there was a bright white light that went around it and connected on the other side and it sparkled and then I heard a woman's voice on on the right side of my head whisper into my ear and she said you're gonna do something big it's mm -hmm. gonna be really big and I didn't know what happened and I for some reason I wasn't scared I knew it was really special and at like three or four years old how in the world do you explain that to your parents like <laughs> <laughs> so I just about this vision that I had um so I just 
yelled out the first couple things that came to mind, which were true. Um, and I was like, I'm going to be a dancer and a cashier, and I'm going to have a puppy and no babies. And then I grew up and I was a professional musical theater performer, and I'm sure I was a cashier somewhere, and I got my dog. And I was like, look, mom, I made all my dreams come true. <laughs> But um, ever since I was a little girl, I was always the inspirer. I was always the inspirer. I always wanted to see people succeed. I always wanted to see people be happy. And had I known that was a job, I would have gone to school for that. But but that dream of being an actress and a dancer is ultimately what led me to, um, I found my coach, the coach I told you about. I found him on a surfboard in LA. He was my surf instructor and he was becoming a life coach. And I was in LA for acting. And, um, and the second I met him, I was like, that's what I want to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. And that's what led me to here. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, because you, you heard that direction when you were three, four years old and you didn't really know how you were going to accomplish or do something big, but through the course of events following, you know, your likes and dislikes, and it kind of led you into that space. Often we don't know the intricate details, but if we know the vision or are convinced that we're going to do something, we can live in that picture. That's what uh, mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger said. Uh, he was interviewed some years ago and before he became the governor and all this stuff, actor, it was like, um, how, you know, well, no, he afterwards, they uh, asked him during the interview, how did you accomplish all of these things coming from Austria? Didn't speak English well. He said it was simple. I got a picture and I lived into the picture. And we are constantly feeding into a picture that we have that dominates our mind. It could be a negative picture or a good picture, a positive destiny picture, but we're living into it. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I love, I love that story. I don't think I I knew that about him with his, with his picture. Um, And, and I was asking myself uh, in 2019, I was like, there was some big stuff happening in my life and in a good way. And um, I was like, I suddenly remembered that moment when I was four, like I hadn't thought about it in a long time. And the cool thing is, in that vision, that sparkle that went around the earth, it, yeah. that light went into my heart and I felt a little pressure in my heart. Wow. And whenever I don't listen to it, like whatever it is that I'm supposed to be doing when things get really, really challenging, I'll get like this deep pressure in my heart. And like depression, like I told you about, will kick in so hard. Like my, my, It's like my soul makes my body depressed until I just get up and face the thing that I'm scared to do. And just do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. But I, I had asked myself, I'm like, whose voice was that? Was that like my grandma's voice? Like I'm trying to think of all the women in my life um, that could have been speaking to me. And then, and this is crazy. It's super cool. And Dr. Joe Dispenza actually talks about this in his book, um, which I didn't read until I think 2020. So this was in 2019. I realized it was me. It's exactly what my voice sounds like today is what that voice was in my ear. Wow. So we're we're able to speak destiny to ourselves of the inner being within us, because that's the real that's the real world within us, because everything that we see physically, the TV, the house, apartment, chairs that we live in first 
was imagined within a person and then externalized. Mm -hmm. And and that's how we frame our world. The same principle is a principle, just like gravity is a principle. It works for everyone, no matter what. Yes. Yeah. I was literally just thinking about that the other day. It's so funny that you bring that up. How everything is, everything, even houses are ideas. And all of a sudden we're able to show somebody in physicality what our idea is. And you're right. Why is it any different? for any other thing that we desire in life that we're thinking about on the daily. And that's why our thoughts and our thoughts usually are in language or in picture form when it comes to NLP. That's why that's so important because you're going to start seeing on the outside what you're thinking and feeling on the inside. Yes. And what, uh, as you've been helping people, what are some ineffective life patterns that hold some people back and you've helped people for you know some time now what has been some themes that you've noticed yeah that's actually a really interesting question because both with constant I'm constantly working on myself so both with being in self-development programs and running self-development programs what I have found is that it does not matter where you live what your background is, what your uh, race is or your gender is, like none of it matters. Humans typically have the same exact limiting beliefs and that's the thing that holds them back. And it's usually, I'm not lovable. I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not smart enough. Something I'm not enough, fill in the blank. Um, But the lovable and the not good enough ones, those are the the biggest, biggest common threads that I see all across the globe. And you have a new podcast that is being released this fall. I do. Yes. In November. Oh, what's the name of it? Are we allowed to swear on here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can say the name. Um, which is funny because I actually don't really swear and neither does my girlfriend. We're doing it together and we're like, we're like, but this is our edge. Like we're so uncomfortable even with the title. Like this is our edge. This is good. We're growing. Um, our podcast is called Stop Fucking Settling with the relationship babes, Jackie and Erica. And she's a love coach and I'm a full life transformation coach and really helps singles a lot is who I focus on. But um, yeah, that's getting released in the fall and it's going to be funny and real life. We thought it would be, we're like, what a cool experience to see. Uh, cause I, I, she lives in Austin and I stayed down in Austin to see if I wanted to live there. And she had a little studio apartment. So I rented her space and we would be up at like midnight to three o'clock in the morning, just having the funniest, most raw, authentic conversations about dating and relationships and they were also really valuable though too and so we're like you know people always think that professionals and coaches and you know people like that are are really really serious how fun would it be to actually give them insight into like how we're real we're we're real women too we're real girls right and these are our thoughts and this is how you can add self-development into it to turn these experiences into something that will serve you Sure, it sounds great. Um, I'm be looking forward to hearing some of your episodes. <laughs> so, so social media—are you uh, prominent on any social media? 
Oh, yes. I'm always on the socials. <laughs> um, Instagram, primarily. That one's my favorite. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Jackie undersc underscore Pew. So J-A-C-Q-U-I underscore P-U-G-H. That's where I hang out primarily. Um, and I'm also on Facebook. I have a, a closed Facebook group with some freebies and stuff in there. A really fun group to be a part of. And that one's um, single AF and loving life. What is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? One piece. I'm going to, I'm going to leave you guys with, with two little things to think about. One, my motto is if you don't ask, you never know. So just ask because I like to give the example of, let's say there's an attractive stranger that you want to ask, ask out and you're too scared to do it. <laughs> Worst case scenario, they say no and you're in the same exact spot and you don't have a hot date. Best case scenario, they say yes and you got a hot date. So on that note, don't be 100 years old, laying in bed, looking back on your life, wondering what if. What if I would have asked that stranger out? What would have happened? What if I would have asked for help or support? Would my life have been different? What if I would have fill in the blank? Whenever you're scared to do something, that's the thing. That's my go-to. Am I going to be 100 years old in bed wondering what if? Am I going to regret it? If I am, just do the damn thing. Um, so I hope that that serves you. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornoy.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.